We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Oh yeah, baby. It's a victory Monday here on the Pack-A-Day podcast, episode number 782. I'm Alex Strofe, joined as always on a victory Monday by Perry Goldstein and Andy Herman. Uh, Perry, Andy, happy victory Monday. It's the first time we get to say that this year. Uh, It feels amazing. I was so excited heading into this game. I was so excited to talk to you guys once the game was going on and the game was over and the Packers won. Uh, I love any time we can start a a podcast with Oh Baby. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, Perry, how are you feeling? I feel great. I feel I'm still I get like, you know, those like post game jitters where you kind of are like high on life and I'm still riding that. Um, I just wish we had been able to chat like right after the game after it ended I was like I'm ready to go I want to talk to Andy I want to talk to Alex I want to get it all out um so I'm really excited to sort of break this down with you guys yeah we could easily talk three hours about this game because uh there was a lot that happened a lot to get into but you you, you said it Perry so we'll we'll lean it your way first and I'll, I'll wrap it up once Andy goes uh right after the game got done the Packers win 43 34 is the final A lot of big games today, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, the list goes on. What were your immediate reactions from the W? I was a mix of like elated, but also shocked because no part of me thought our offense was going to come out and do that. Um, I was thinking it would be quite similar to our wins last year, where it was more of a defensive performance that allowed our offense to sort of take the time it needed to really come out um, and score some points. And 
obviously the first two drives felt similarly and then the rest of the game was just an absolute um, show out. Like we dominated the Vikings, even though the, I think final score doesn't really reflect that. Um, it really felt like a beat down and I just, um, really happy to see the offense clicking and in rhythm and, you know, everyone just executing. That's, that's what it felt like. So it was really exciting. Yeah. For, for me, I had kind of three gut reactions or major takeaways going into that game. I, and I tweeted beforehand, I was super confident about the Packers for some reason. And if you go back the last couple seasons, I, for some reason, for whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, I just haven't felt super confident about this Packers team, even when they were doing well. I know there was the, you know, most fraudulent 14 and four team ever. Like I never bought into that, but I always had trepidations uh, about just how good they really were. I don't know if it was because I saw some of the things that were going on at camp. I don't know if I, you know, it was because I saw a little bit of a, a different Aaron Rodgers going into this season. I'm not sure if it was because I thought the Vikings were more banged up and, you know, just kind of had a lot of moving pieces more than people were talking about. But I felt very confident going into this game and leaving the game. I feel even more confident. Like, and it's just a really good feeling. More confident, again, than at any point that I was a season ago. And again, that was a 13-3 and three football team. I just think when you put up 500-plus yards, 40-plus points, in the division, on the road, I know there's no fans, but it's still a, a road game in the division. I mean, that's no small task. Uh, you know, Minnesota, I, Green Bay had all the time to prepare for this game, but so did Minnesota. They had all offseason to prepare for, for Aaron Rodgers in this offense, and they had no response to anything that they did. So that was takeaway number one is I just came away very confident. I know there were some issues on defense, which we'll get to in a moment, but I don't feel that that was a, a great description of what the Packers defense is going to be this season. I think they'll be much better than that, and I think you can always learn your lessons in a, a, in a winning effort. It's better. Uh, but overall, I came away very confident. My second gut reaction takeaway is – that felt like NFL football. I know there weren't fans in the stands. I'm sure for the announcers and the people in the stadium and the players, it felt very, very different. But for me, as I'm watching the game and going through all the games throughout today and watching the Packer game and NFL red zone and everything like that, it felt like a Sunday of football, which was super refreshing and just amazing to feel. And then last but not least, I know we're going to get into the injuries more in just a moment, but every every game has a, a game and then a game within a game. The game is, did they win or lose? And then the game within the game is, all right, what did it cost you? Kind of the Thanos, you know, uh, Avengers Endgame type thing. Like, <laughs> what did it cost? And, you know, there's obviously some injuries, that, but the big one that, you know, you have to keep an eye on is just, you know, Kenny Clark, how long is he out for? He's yeah. such an integral part of this team. Uh, so that's kind of in the back of my mind is, all right, what's the injury prognosis on Kenny Clark? Yeah, the dollar sign, obviously, uh, having something to do with that, of course, as he signed a huge contract just a couple weeks back. But to go back to the potency of the offense, Andy, I, I mean, that was evident almost from the get-go. It, it was it was nice to see Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur making adjustments on offense, especially uh, after the first three trips to the red zone, only converting for two field goals and a turnover on downs, and then back-to-back back-to-back uh, -to -back touchdowns with the Jair pick in between the end of the first half. So, uh, yeah, that was good to see to get them – back on track but who would have thought the first time the Packers were quote unquote in the end zone this season would be when Jair Alexander's <laughs> wrapping up uh, Kirk Cousins for a safety I mean that was a weird game five to seven it started as um, and then obviously 22 to 10 at the half and the Packers uh, offense especially kept rolling as we got in and through the second half Aaron Rodgers what a day 
Uh, four touchdowns for him, two to Devontae Adams, and he looked like an MVP, Andy. He, he really did. And this was a you know virtuoso Aaron Rodgers performance. Uh, I mentioned at the onset that this this felt different than even any game last year. I know he had that that fantastic game uh, against the Raiders a season ago. I know he had uh, a couple other really nice performances. He had a great game against Seattle in the divisional round game. But th- this is what this offense is envisioning for Aaron Rodgers. This felt like, you know, MVP 2011, 2010 Aaron Rodgers. And it was so refreshing to see the, my favorite thing about it was this was not Aaron Rodgers running around doing a ton of different stuff, trying to create things on his own. This was him running the offense, staying in the pocket. And then a handful of times when Green Bay needed him to make a stellar play, maybe the initial read wasn't open. He was able to do so. And I know a couple of those didn't get converted. MVS had a couple drops, but Aaron Rodgers was on fire today from beginning to end. Uh, going back to the offense's performance as a whole, I, I love the fact that, you know, you look at when a team, you know, fizzles out in the red zone like they did early in the early in a, in a game like that. That's almost always going to come back to haunt you. But this was one of those all gas, no freaking break sort of games from this offense and Aaron Rodgers. They kept the pedal on the gas. They really wore down that Vikings defense, and that started and ended with with Aaron Rodgers. Not only his precision as a passer, but drawing defenses off sides. That is going to be a major weapon through 16 games this season. If there are not going to be enough fans mm-hmm. in the stadium to make them go into a silent count. And then my my last observation is we've been saying, when I say we, a lot of people, I don't don't even know I'm saying we, I don't consider myself a person in the media, but a lot of people in the media uh, have been saying that this seems like a different Aaron Rodgers. Everything today, he was smiling, he was goofing around. He, and I don't want to be like body language police here, but like there have been times where, you know, you see some, maybe some of the drops from the MVS or, you know, he has not been hesitant in the past to just get after guys and get on them and, and show frustration out on the field. It was all positive today. He was having fun. Part of that comes with the the success that the offense was having, but um, it just feels like a different Aaron Rodgers. Even in postgame, he was complimentary of everyone. Everyone that he got asked about, he had a positive thing to say about them. Uh, it, it just feels like a different Aaron Rodgers. And I'm just, geeked out and excited about it (laughs) yeah Andy kind of stole the words right out of my mouth (laughs) which was that like I really felt like he was moving and in sync with Matt LaFleur the whole game and really going with what the game plan was and you could tell there were a few scrambles here and there because you're going to get that from Aaron Rodgers when he thinks he can do something big and we saw some of those but he he looked just really comfortable in the offense and the plays that Matt LaFleur was calling. And that is a really good sign. That means we're moving, you know, they're moving in the right direction together. Um, And you still got some wizardry, but it didn't feel, I feel like in the past, a lot of times it feels so forced and pained. Like you can tell that he's doing everything he possibly can to like get the offense to move. And it didn't feel that way. It felt very natural. Um, And I'm not even that worried at all about like the two, red zone stalls out because we got past that um, later on in the first half. And then again, in the second half, it just like a little bit of growing pains didn't really, I wasn't really fearful because I saw how, you know, how they were sustaining drives and really controlling the time of possession. And it just felt really nice. Um, We got a QB sneak out of Aaron Rodgers, which never happens. Um, Yeah, I, I agree, Andy. He just seems like he's really happy and, you know, flowing really nicely. He threw 
the ball around to lots of different wide receivers. MVS had a touchdown. Lazard had a touchdown. Deguera had a catch. We used three, no, four running backs. Um, if you want to count Tyler Irvin in there as a running back. So it just, it felt like it was really flowing. Um, and the Vikings had absolutely no answer. Yeah, we've talked about that hypothetical chip uh, on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder. Maybe not even hypothetical. The chip on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder for the last five or so months, ever since the Packers moved up in the draft to take uh, what we assume is his eventual replacement. So uh, to see Rodgers come out the way, guns a blazing he did on Sunday, 32 of 44, 364 yards, and four touchdowns, as mentioned. I mean, the guy was hitting on all cylinders. It was incredible to see uh, here in week one. We missed NFL football so much, and we got vintage 12 on Sunday, so no complaints there. But a lot to break down within this offense, right? Uh, We mentioned some of the injuries. Lane Taylor goes down, uh, and Elton Jenkins was in at right tackle to start the game for the injured Billy Turner, and then he slipped shifting back to the left side of the line. Uh, How seamlessly and naturally he did that, number one, proves that this guy will be a star in the near future. But, Andy, I'm I'm excited and intrigued to get your your analysis on Elton Jenkins on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he looked really fantastic. And I'm really excited to watch this offensive line as a whole uh, when I, you know, go back and watch the All-22 and kind of put my grades together. But uh, this was really a fun performance from the offensive line. Aaron Rodgers was kept clean all day. You know, we can talk about Aaron Rodgers and and how fantastic that he looked and how well the offense looked, but that doesn't doesn't really get going in the the same fashion if you're not protecting him and keeping him clean. And they did that all game long. I, I do think you have to you know, temper expectations a little bit. This Vikings defensive line was pretty banged up. Uh, of course, Daniel Hunter didn't play. Um, they're going through a little bit of a transition. Michael Pierce, their big free agent signing, opted out. Yannick Ngakwe uh, was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit today, and uh, and I don't think fully found his footing yet uh, as a member of this Vikings team. So that that defensive line is going to get better as they kind of get healthier as the season goes along. So it's, it's not like this was a, a top 10 defensive line that they were facing today, but still, these are NFL caliber players and we've seen the Green Bay offensive line struggle with you know worse defensive lines than that in the past the big question mark all week was going to be how how does the right tackle position looked well you know guess what Elton Jenkins was out there it looked good Rick Wagner went out there it looked good you know John Runyon had to go in at guard it looked good it didn't seem to matter who was in there they were able to protect I don't think they had like a an amazing day running the football but it was a winning performance all the way around for the offensive line Um, No, I completely agree, Andy. I was, um, when Lynn Taylor went down, I think my heart stopped a little bit for two reasons. One being he worked so hard to get back this season and have a really, I think, phenomenal camp and start this game um, when, you know, we thought at the beginning of the offseason, he may be just someone who gets cut off the team. Um, And so to see him go down and what looked quite gruesome was, was hard to watch. And then at the same time, it's like we've been worried a little bit about our offensive line depth, you know, through camp. And now it's like, we've lost a starter, you know, how's this going to go? And I thought, you know, Elton slid back over and John Runyon went in and you heard nothing. Um, there wasn't a penalty from the rookie, you know, we just, we kept, you know, running pretty smoothly. And I think when you don't hear an offensive lineman's name called, that's usually a good thing. Um, and I just think that it shows, Well, first, I'm glad that we drafted three offensive linemen in the sixth round this year, even though people had some things to say about it. Clearly, we needed it. Um, And it just shows that I think moving forward, we can we have a few pieces that can move around and be a lot more versatile than maybe in previous years. And I think we'll be okay. Um, And fingers crossed that Lane Taylor is not a season ending injury. 
Yeah, I know we were going to talk about injuries a little bit later, but this is probably a, a kind yeah. of a perfect segue into that. You know, hopefully that's not the case, but I know pro football doc who kind of diagnoses the injuries uh, while they're happening and kind of after the games, you know, he tweeted out uh, that he thinks that uh, Lane Taylor tore his ACL. Uh, that's not confirmed by any stretch of the imagination. That's just his best guesstimate based on what he saw on tape. So it's not like he's in the locker room performing uh, the procedure or has any inside information but obviously you never want to hear anything ACL related or that even could be ACL related. Uh, but that was his diagnosis based on the film was that he thinks Lane Taylor tore his ACL, which would of course me uh, be a season ending injury. Lucas Patrick, uh, I don't think we have any sort of diagnosis for or Kenny Clark, but those seem to be the three big injuries from today's game. And uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be worth monitoring to see what those three look like, you know, going forward against the big game against the Lions. Yeah. And you got to feel so bad for Lane Taylor, Andy, because the guy only played two games last year, as we mentioned, slid back in this year, had a great camp, making a lot of noise, uh, wins his starting spot back and goes down in game number one. So, uh, again, we, we hope that's not the case, but uh, the signs we're seeing now aren't pretty for Lane Taylor. So uh, the best thoughts his way, but uh, Kenny Clark, a groin injury. But, yeah, very little detail out of that hoping he's okay, and then Lucas Patrick, as mentioned, not much on him either. Uh, but, of course, that brings up the question that's been uh, all over Twitter's mind. Uh, Jared Valdir, Snacks <laughs> Harrison, do they deserve calls this week from Brian Gutekunst? Perry, I'll start with you. I don't want to say anything about the offensive line yet, but to be honest, I was saying to my dad during this game, like, I wouldn't mind having Snacks out there. <laughs> I, I I thought that we did okay. Obviously, we scored more points, um, but we still, you know, Dalvin Cook still ran the ball quite well against us. The run defense, to me, didn't really look that much more improved. Um, and so, you know, if we do have Kenny not in the game for an, any kind of extended period of time, I, I worry about going up against Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry and some other, you know, larger backs that may be able to pound the ball a little bit harder against us um, because it just the run defense looked the same. And I know that it's week one and maybe Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster need. I don't know. Maybe it was just a week one situation, but I just think we know what they are. Um, and so it wouldn't hurt to have a, a more proven backup. Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth. One, I'll start by saying I don't expect either to be on this team anytime in the near future. Now, if if Kenny Clark has any sort of serious injury, then I, I would expect maybe them to make a move. But going into this week, I would expect then, you know, Dalen Mack or Willington Prevalon uh, to kind of either get a call up as one of the practice squad players called up, or maybe one of them gets put on the active roster um, in place of Elaine Taylor. Uh, you could say the same thing. It, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe like a Jake Hansen get called up. It also wouldn't surprise me to see either Alex Light or John LeGlue, um, who were both recently released, potentially brought back to the practice squad just to give them a little bit more depth there. I know that's not necessarily what fans want to hear. I know Snacks and, and Valdir are a little bit sexier and, you know, have actual had success in the NFL, which is always nice. But um, you're also looking at guys who are at the, the very tail ends of their careers. Both have had major, major injury issues. Um, Jared Valdir, you know, basically, not basically, he retired a season ago just to come back to kind of realize he wanted to keep playing. You know, he was solid in those those last couple games, but, you know, it wasn't anything spectacular. I just think Green Bay would have to feel pretty darn good about either of those players in, in order to make an offer. They've had all offseason to do so. I know that uh, Ross Uglum uh, here of the Pack-A-Day podcast and Pack 
Packer Report reported that Green Bay did make an offer or at least an attempt uh, to to reach out to um, Snacks Harrison and Snacks kind of confirmed that last week. So there's at least a little bit of smoke to that fire. But my guess is they'll, they'll stay a little bit more in-house or guys that they're maybe a little bit more familiar with. Fair enough. Uh, but of course, we had to address it because I'm sure enough people have tweeted each of you about that today or on Sunday, <laughs> rather. So uh, fair enough. There's there's uh, there's there's the word from those two. Now, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. A lot to break down there. Uh, but first, I want to talk about a name that that was just signed to the active roster on Saturday. Comes up with seven total tackles, including two for loss on Sunday against the Vikings. That's rookie Chris Barnes. Andy, break it down for me, my brother. Yeah, I wish I would have asked this question better to Matt LaFleur after the game because I really, really want to know how you can go from being released last weekend to starting today in like the course of a week without a major injury happening in between that time. Like, did they legitimately just release him having like basically taking the chance that they knew nobody was going to sign him because they didn't have tape on him and they felt really confident that they would get him back because it seems insane that you would cut a guy undrafted free agent or not that you're going to start next Sunday. If he gets claimed, you're starting inside linebacker is gone. Like that seems insane to me. So how do you go from being cut last weekend available to anyone in the league to start, not only starting, but starting and looking like he played well again, I'm going to want to go back and take a look at, at that all 22 this week but man that that was an impressive performance that came out of completely nowhere I'm very surprised at the process that Green Bay took to get there but whatever process it took I'm happy they got to the place that they did because uh, I thought he looked really impressive especially for an undrafted free agent making his first start um, you would think that he's only going to improve from there that that's kind of the you know hopefully the floor of what he's capable of so I, I think there's a lot to be excited about not only did he play well on defense he also had a tackle on special teams so uh, hell of a first performance for a rookie undrafted free agent. Yeah, and Perry, what did you see out of the defense and Chris Barnes on Sunday? I agree with Andy. I definitely was surprised to see him out there, especially when we have Oren Burks and Ty Summers, who you would think would get the start over him. I was also a little bit confused. I also, Andy, thought that Matt LaFleur's answer to your question wasn't so much really an answer to your question, which tends to happen a lot when, when you ask coaches things they don't really want to answer. But, I mean, I thought he played well. Again, I think it's one of those when you don't hear their name called out for any reason, it usually means they're doing what they're supposed to on the field. He had this one play, and I think it was probably the one that Matt LaFleur broke down in his press conference where he really was quite patient and tracking Dalvin Cook and really diagnosed where he was going and made a really, really nice tackle. And I think for an undrafted free agent rookie, the stage was not too big for him. Um, and that says a lot. And I think if he is now, if they're seeing something in him that is going to make him the starter next to Christian Kirksey, um, then he's only going to continue to grow and get better. Um, and we could use a, a more consistent second inside linebacker on the team. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he has, but definitely a surprise. Yeah, Chris Barnes, the only guy for either team in this game with more than one tackle for loss. So interesting. Take it for what it's worth. Again, he finished with seven uh, with two for loss. Uh, Christian Kirksey, the only Packer with more tackles in this one than him. He had 12 total uh, to lead the green and gold in there. 43 to 34 victory over the Vikings. Uh, Barnes, obviously, uh, a, a solid, great note from Sunday and the defense. Christian Kirksey looked solid in his first game as a Packer. Jair Alexander with the safety and the interception. He looked solid, especially in the first half. 
Uh, Perry, we'll kick it you to you outside of Barnes, uh, maybe Jair and Kirksey and any other Packers on the defensive side of things that stuck uh, stuck out to you on Sunday. I was definitely expecting a little bit more from our edge rushers. Um, I, I, I know that we, we got home a good amount, but it, it just didn't feel like we got pressure on him as often as we used to um, last season, especially uh, it was nice to see Z get a sack. I'm pretty sure Rashawn either got a sack or, you know, tackled cousins at the line, but um, it just didn't feel as um, aggressive as I expected them to come out with. And so that, that struck me by surprise, but I mean, overall we did, fine um they got a they got a good amount of what felt like garbage points to me which is why the score felt higher than it was but I mean I think I spoke a little bit about just like how I feel about the run defense before and that's all that stood out to me otherwise like our our units pretty solid would I like to see them um you know stop stop you know allowing as many yards as we did today yeah but you know a win's a win so yeah, I, I I was conflicted with this defensive performance, and you know you you know Green Bay goes down, they have the seven and a half minute drive, they they kick a field goal, and then you know Packers defense playing with a three nothing lead first drive of the year, and Minnesota really went down and scored pretty easily on them that first drive to make it seven to three. However, then you know Jair Alexander makes the you know the safety, which kind of I thought was a turning point in the game. He then has the interception before half, which sets them up with more points before half, and then you know by that point. You know, when, when it kind of mattered, you know, Green Bay goes up double digits and really got their foothold and kind of took control of that game. So at the points where Green Bay's defense needed to be good, maybe needed to make a play to kind of get things trending back in the right direction, they did so. That being said, they had numerous chances to kind of put this entire game away at multiple points. Minnesota kind of kept coming back, kept making it close. And uh, I just wanted to see them make a play, get a sack. And one of the frustrating things is Minnesota was playing fairly predictable by that point. You know, they knew that uh, Minnesota was going to be throwing the football. They knew they had to kind of get some chunk plays and they were still giving up, you know, yardage and touchdowns. You hated to see the play in the back of the end zone to Thielen where, you know, Darnell Savage kind of bit on the underneath route and let the, the, you know, let Thielen get behind him. You didn't like to see Thielen get, but you know, uh, the, the touchdown on Jair Alexander a little bit later. So I think you look at, at late in that game, I just wanted to see them be a little bit more consistent, a little bit more tight. I know that they're, you know, willing to give up some yards in garbage time, but as Matt LaFleur mentioned in his press conference post game, you, you don't want to be giving up chunk plays. I understand you're, you're willing to let them dunk, you know, dink and dunk their way to three and four yard pickups. You can't be given 15, 20 yard plays down the field. Like what, what is your defense trying to accomplish? If your goal is to not give up big plays, well, anything 15, 20 plus should be pretty much shut down at that point. And I hated to see too, that little drive before, before the end of the half that gave the yeah. Vikings three free points. Yeah. That was massively frustrating because, you know, basically you just set the edge on first down and they're going to run out the clock. They're not even going to run a second play. Instead, you get the big run from Madison on first down, then the big play across the middle, which cannot happen in that situation either. So there were, there were little things in this game from the defense that just kind of gnaw at you. And you want, you wanted to see those things not happen, which is really kind of the only thing that leaves you with a little bit of a poor taste in your mouth. Uh, like I 
I said at the open, I don't think this game is indicative of what this Packers defense is going to look like. If you go back to week one last year, when it looked like the defense was going to be like the greatest defense in the world, <laughs> well, it wasn't quite that. It looked like this week, maybe it's not like going to be one of the worst defenses in the world. I don't think it's going to be that either, but I do think you need a much more consistent and better effort from the defense than what you got in even in limited time, you know, moving forward. Yeah, it's it's confusing of what you can make of that fourth quarter, right? Uh, only allowing 10 points through the first three quarters, allowing 24 in the fourth, uh, as Perry referred to it as garbage time. It was, uh, but it's still 24 points in the fourth quarter. So uh, I, I'm sure that will be the center of a lot of the conversations here on Packaday Podcasts and other mediums this week as the Packers uh, try to figure out their defensive struggles there in the fourth quarter. But we'll see what happens as they take on Detroit. Uh, next week. So let's move into a more happier conversation than the defensive struggles. Uh, let's start with the play of the game. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll lead off. Um, you would. Go for it. You know, it's not a scoring play, but, but it is a play that I think said a lot about Aaron Rodgers as well as MVS. He's been talking high of MVS all summer long, lots of praise his direction. And, and after two drops in, uh, in the second half, a 39-yard completion on a free play as Rodgers draws the team off sides. It shows he still trusts uh, MVS. That was in the third quarter, that was, and eventually led to that Adams touchdown to make it 29-10 to in the third. So uh, a 39-yard hookup uh, between Aaron Rodgers and MVS would be my play of the game after, as mentioned, MVS had those two drops. Very frustrating. We were all yelling, catch the damn ball in our, in our chairs, I'm sure, at, uh, at Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but... Uh, he, he won me back over, and hopefully he can get those drop issues figured out moving forward. But clearly he still has Rogers' trust, and that was a big moment for me. I like it. Perry, what about you? Um, mine's probably a little bit more obvious, although I completely agree with you, Alex. I think the Jair safety for me was oh, the yeah. play of the game. I just feel like the momentum completely shifted into, into Green Bay's direction after he did that. Um, they just kind of woke up and were like, yeah, no, we can beat this team. Let's get the ball back. Let's, let's get down the field and let's score. Um, and I know it was just a field goal after that, but it, it just felt like the momentum really picked up and same for a player that, you know, he had a, an interception leader in the game. And I think that this is a big year for him to prove what he believes is that he is, you know, an all pro level corner. And I think he definitely has shown flashes of that in the last few seasons and he has all of the traits to really put that together but he just hasn't been able to do it yet on the field and this to me if this is just how he's going to play week one and continue to build off of that he's going to have a really really phenomenal season and you know I don't think we've had a defensive back like Jair in quite a long time I I know I I rave and love Tremont but very different players. And I think I see a lot of Charles Woodson, honestly, and just the swagger and being able to do a lot of different things all over the field and in Jair. And so um, that play just, it kind of just blew a hole in the game to me. Yeah. I'm on the same exact page as you, Perry. That was mine as well. And I think you just go back to it. So again, you know, Green Bay has that awesome first drive, ends in a field goal. Minnesota goes right back down, scores the touchdown at seven to three. Green Bay puts another amazing drive together, ends up with no points, can't get in the end zone, turns it over on fourth and goal. And then the very next series, you know, Jair gets the safety in the end zone, which really completely swings momentum. If, if Minnesota goes down or even just kind of gets out of that position and kind of flips field position, 
position, I think you could be looking at a, a very different game. But I thought that was a very, you know, huge momentum swing in the game. And Jair talked about it a little bit post game, basically saying that was not his assignment. He was not supposed to blitz on that play. He keyed uh, the, I think it was the motion by Thielen, if I remember correctly. And based on his keys, that, that told him it was a run play. So he came up aggressively to play the run. It obviously was not a run, but he basically said by the time he, you know, realized it was a pass, he was too pot committed at that point uh, to turn around and try to go back and cover. Uh, he just keeps, you know, going right at Cousins. Nobody blocks him and the rest was history. So uh, interesting play by Jair. It's, I'm sure it's one of those where the coaching staff is like, no, 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 no. Yes. You know, where they were, you know, excited by the outcome, <laughs> even if not maybe the process. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how they handle that in coaching meetings this week. But when one of your star players goes out and makes a play for you, I don't know that you care too much about how the, the what the process was to get to that point. Let's do it snake draft style, our next category, player of the game, Andy, then Perry, and I'll wrap it up. Yeah, I, I don't know that you can say anyone besides Aaron Rodgers in this game. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, you know, quarterbacks get too much credit and I think sometimes they get, you know, too much piled on them. But I, I think today he was an absolute maestro out there running the offense to perfection. You know, Green Bay rotated in every single eligible player on offense besides A.J. Dillon by the, I, the middle of the second quarter, I think, or middle of the first quarter it was. And then the second quarter, Dillon got in there as well. So every eligible player was rotated in. He did a great job of spreading the ball around. One of the things that I love is he used, and, and really the offense used, all areas of the field. They stretched the team horizontally by running a lot of those jet sweeps and motions. And Matt LaFleur gave him a ton of credit by saying that he made a, a few really great reads on that where it sounds like he either could have, you know, pitched it to the the sweet player or he could have handed it off inside uh, the running back sounds like he made some good reads on that so they they you know stretched the field horizontally they stretched it vertically uh, on multiple different occasions would have been even better had MVS hung on to that one football uh, down the field but I I thought they attacked short intermediate and deep uh, just everything that Aaron Rodgers could do to run that game plan to perfection was great and as we discussed earlier this wasn't just a situation where Aaron Rodgers was playing hero ball running around creating on his own. This was him running the offense and having those couple spectacular plays here or there when they needed it. This was just a virtuoso Rogers performance. And I loved every second of it. I think I could I easily have said Aaron Rodgers, but I'm definitely going to go uh, with Devonte Adams. He, for some reason still gets just looked over all the time as an elite wide receiver. And I, I just, I really don't know how you do that anymore. Watching a performance like today, he picked up right where he left off last season, you know, 14 receptions, which is actually a new Packers franchise record yeah. beating out Don Hudson um, in a single game. So 156 yards, his average was 11.1 yards per uh, reception, you know, and he also had the two touchdowns should have been three. Honestly, I think that first one he normally, I, I would expect him to make that, that catch. So just masterful. And I think they did a really nice job of bringing Devante in and obviously allowing him and Rogers connection to really make plays, but also like Andy said, sort of rotating in and utilizing all the other offensive weapons. I just felt like the balance was really there and it didn't feel like Rogers was forcing things to Devante. Devante was really open. And of course we know, you know, it was a little bit of them picking on some of the new <laughs> Vikings cornerbacks, but that's what they should do, right? Like they should know that that's a strength for us and they picked on that weakness and they did it incredibly well. And I, I think, I mean, Devontae really came out and showed out today. 
They had no answers for him whatsoever. None. No. None at all. He looked fantastic. As mentioned, 14 receptions. Ridiculous. Uh, Devontae Adams. He was only beat out by Julio Jones on Sunday with 157 yards. Beat him by a yard. Uh, but Adams still with the two touchdowns. Jones had zero. So anyway, uh, I'm going to go a third direction because you got to give love to the old man, the 36-year-old Mason Crosby, who had a terrific day on Sunday. Five of five on extra points. Two of two for field goals, and I'm going to steal a tweet from some guy named at Andy Herman NFL on Twitter. <laughs> uh, quote, going back to the disaster in Detroit two seasons ago, Mason Crosby has now made 120 of his last 126 kicks. That counts both field goals and extra points. That is uh, a 95.2 success rate, says Andy. So, uh, yeah, he, he played really good, and he's been playing really well since the disaster in Detroit. And it showed once again on Sunday, 11 total points for Crosby. That's, that's a big workload for him. Uh, and he, uh, he, he did it perfectly. He, he did it uh, as good as he can 100% on the day for Mason Crosby. So outside of the obvious and Rogers and, uh, and Adams, I'll go with Crosby, but uh, the I Packers like week one win in the books, 43 to 34. One last time is your final, uh, those are those are where our three game balls go to. So there you have it. But uh, speaking of percentages, the Lions uh, played the Bears this week and they had it up to a ninety eight point nine win probability percentage with under six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And they end up blowing it to uh, apparently now clutch Mitch Trubisky as the Bears <laughs> top the Lions twenty seven to twenty three. Detroit comes to Green Bay next week. Andy, what are you expecting out of that one? And what did you see out of Detroit on Sunday? Yeah, nobody can pull, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory quite like the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I mean, they, I think they had what, seven uh, fourth quarter losses a season ago or, or, you know, come from behind losses. I forget which one it was, but they gave up a ton of games last year. Well, they could just go to the two Green Bay games. Green Bay wasn't winning for a second of either of those games until the, the final horn went off where they won at the buzzer in basically both of those games. So uh, the Detroit is just a team that finds a way to lose. And they, they did that again today. Not only did they have the lead late and like with that, what, 98% uh, opportunity to win that game late in the game, but they completely choked that game away in multiple ways you know you had the Stafford interception late and then you let Trubisky you know beat you you know with a, a deep ball to Anthony Miller um, and then you still have an opportunity to win and rookie DeAndre Swift lets the ball go right through his hands with a game-winning touchdown with what three seconds left in that game I mean that's that's classic Detroit Lions in every stretch of the way that being said you know they're going to want to come back and avenge that loss and get to one and one and make sure that they don't go to two and zero or zero and two, excuse me. So you know they're going to be extra motivated, but you also have to know that they're going to have just a, a bad taste in their mouth. And you would hope, uh, as a Packer fan, that maybe they have a little bit of a hangover from that loss when they easily should have won that game. Now they're zero and one. If they do have that hangover going into Lambeau, hopefully that's advantage Packers. But I think the the real storyline that I'll be keeping an eye on is all the injuries. How is Kenny Clark? How's the offensive? line looking this week and Billy Turner return um, if some of those other players are out hurt and then for the the Lions Kenny Galladay uh, their big signing at right tackle big V I'm not going to say his name because nobody in the world knows how to pronounce it and then uh, Jeff Okuda uh, their rookie first round pick all three of those were out today against the Bears did they get any of those players back Galladay has been a Packer killer um, so I'm uh, you know as the Packer fan side of me wants to you know maybe see him rest one more week but um, at the same token I'm confident Kenny Clark and uh, Jair Alexander would be able to do uh, good work against him too so those are kind of the storylines that I'm looking forward to as, as we look ahead to Packers Lions how about you yeah. Perry? 
Yeah, I mean, the Lions are going to lie in. I, I, that was so <laughs> hard to watch. Um, I mean, also, they let the Bears score 21 unanswered points on them. It was just a co- absolute complete meltdown. Uh, and so I I don't know what they're going to come in. I, I like to think that they're going to come in a little hungover and not with a vengeance. But I agree with you, Andy. I think it'll very much depend on if Kenny Galladay and Jeff Okuda are, are back in the lineup. Um, not having Kenny Galladay against the Packers, I think, would definitely give us an advantage. He he works us. And I never count the Lions out against the Packers for some reason. Just over our long history, there has been so many games where for some reason I think we're going to come in and just absolutely demolish them and, and they stay in it. So can never count Stafford out because I do gen- – genuinely think he's a he's a very good quarterback but um I gotta give the advantage after this you know riding this really high wave um beating the Vikings that they're going to want to come home and and just do it all again and I know that the fans aren't going to be there but I think there's just something about the energy of being home in Lambeau Field is is going to uh you know push the Packers forward so um the Lions I don't want to say they don't scare me, but after what we were able to do against the Vikings, I feel fairly confident that we can sort of replicate and also win next weekend. Yeah, Matt LaFleur moves to 7-0 and in the division as a head coach, looking to make it 8-0 and against the Lions. If the Lions don't have a sour enough taste in their mouth uh, from losing this week, you can also think back to the last time they were in Lambeau Field on that Monday night game last year. Uh, they didn't like how that ended, so I imagine they're going to want some vengeance for that as they travel to Green Bay on Sunday. We've got you covered all week long here on the Pack-A-Day podcast, breaking down this game, breaking down next week, breaking down everything going on in the National Football League. We've also got you on YouTube now, where Andy uh, has been giving you daily videos since, well, uh, yesterday. So uh, <laughs> make sure to go subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, a uh, bunch of exclusive content aside from the podcast will be uploaded there daily. For Perry Goldstein, for Andy Herman, I'm Alex Strofe. Enjoy your victory Monday, and we'll talk to you real soon. Peace! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.